Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon. I have attached the link on the website. So if you just visit the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, you can then find the Patreon link there. Thank you to those that have. Welcome to A Moment With. I decided to create this additional space on the podcast to give you, the listener, the opportunity to hear exactly what support is out there on your journey into motherhood. So I'll be speaking to health professionals from fertility specialists, consultants within our hospitals, home birth midwives, midwives within our hospitals, physios, doulas, basically as many people as I can. We'll also speak to people who work on the other side of our journey. So photographers, uh, videographers, people who are interested in birth and are pretty much as fanatic as we are about birth. So with that in mind, I would like to introduce Anya Hennessy, who is a self-employed community midwife. I had the pleasure of meeting Anya when my husband and I decided to go down the home birth route. So she speaks to me about why she decided to become a a midwife and later go back into the community as a home birth midwife. So we chat through how you can avail of the service and right, we bring it right back to the very, very start. So what you need to do, who you need to contact basically when you want to, if you're even considering home birth. And then we dive into those antenatal checks, how you are supported through birth and also the postnatal care, which is second to none. So I really hope you enjoyed this first episode, A Moment with Anya Hennessy. Anya, you're very welcome to A Moment with. If you wanted to start by giving us a little introduction. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So my name is Anya and I am one of the self-employed community midwives with the home birth service, with the HSE home birth service. Um, I live in Nace in Kildare, so I cover quite a wide area uh, because it's great to be so central. So everywhere, anywhere from um, kind of upwards in Meath, all the way down to Kilkenny, Leash, West Dublin, Kildare, West Wicklow. Um, I also teach hypnobirthing and I am currently doing a course doing reflexology. <laughs> 
So you have lots of tools in your box. Lots, yeah. Fingers and many pies. So tell me why you wanted to be a midwife and then branch out into the community as well. Um, I suppose midwife, first of all, um, you know, it's actually, it's a funny story. So I can't remember if I told you this before, but um, it was in school and doing biology. And of course, the day where you're learning all about childbirth comes up and I was out sick. So um, major phase was one of the things on my list for my CAO, that and general nursing, but didn't really feel like I wanted to do the nursing. Um, so I was out sick and I came back in the next day and the girls were like, oh, my God, we watched the video of someone giving birth and it was disgusting. It was vile. You don't want to do it. Don't watch it. It's got to change your mind or whatever. So, of course, being the big nerd that I was, I went up to the teacher and I was like, can I borrow the tape <laughs> to watch? She's like, yeah, no problem. Brought it home. And I was like, this is grand. This is not that bad. And said to the girls, because some of my friends were thinking of doing it as well. And they were like, no, not doing it. No. And I said, that's fine. They thought I was just weird. Um, But I suppose after that, and my one of my cousins is actually midwife as well. She's currently working in Port Leash. And I suppose talking to her about it, just decided I'm going to do it because... I my family, like my mom and my dad and stuff were saying, would I not do nursing and then branch off in case I didn't like the midwifery? But I just did not have the interest for general nursing. So, yeah. And then did the my four years in Trinity and um, Coombe, which actually turned out to be five years because I had to take a year out in between. <laughs> um, and then when I finished there, I was part of the cohorts where we were told there were no jobs. So we were coming up to qualify, I think it was kind of around June and we were due to qualify in September and there were no jobs, they were hiring. So applied over to the UK and got a job over there. So went over January 2014, went over to the UK, spent about two and a half years there. And then I did a year out in UAE, working as a midwife. And I suppose it was there that really pushed me towards the home birth. I was always interested in the community side of midwifery, but um, I met a New Zealand midwife over there and became absolute amazing friends with her and still chat away to this day. Um, and she spoke to me about home birth in New Zealand and kind of what they do. And I just thought, this just sounds lovely. You know, why would I want to, why not do this? You know, and it's, particularly over in the UAE, it's a very medicalized, even more so than here. American guidelines, um, a lot of inductions and things like that. It just didn't sit right with me. So came home then March 2018 and um, got in touch with some of the girls who work, um, who I work with now and uh, chatted to them about home birth and just decided, yeah, I'm going to do it. And how did you feel when you had finally made your decision? Um, were you nervous, but probably more so excited? Yeah, yeah, no, I was, I was, I was absolutely, I was nervous because, you know, not only going into, I suppose, a home birth setting, whereas it's it's very different to hospital, you know, you've, you do have to be a lot more on the ball um, with noticing any problems or any abnormalities, so you're referring in straight away um but on the flip side then it's a self-employed business so I was trying to get into the mindset of that which I've I don't I well I feel I don't have a business phone in my body but um so it was hard to navigate that side of things and I suppose to go into it 
you know, really, realistically, I had no money <laughs> when I came home. Not a lot of people come home with, to, from UAE with no money, but I did. Um, so, you know, back with mom and dad and they were fantastic. They supported me right through. And because you have to build up a lot of equipment yourself as well for the business. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a tough kind of definitely a first year, year and a half was difficult in that sense. But this year, I'm definitely feeling like, yeah, getting properly into the swing of things. And I think you're constantly learning as well. Yeah. So I was asked to pose a question to you in terms of midwifery in college and the work placement. Is it intense? Is the workload and college intense? Yeah, it can be. Yeah. Um, like as a student, it's very difficult because when you're on placements, you're doing a full week's work, the same, same as, a, you know, a staff midwife. And on top of that, then you are doing exams, you're doing assignments. And then for people who have part time jobs as well, you know, because the student midwives and the student nurses, they're not paid until they reach their internship. And even at that, it's it's a very poor wage, you know, but yet they're they're doing the same caseload um, as a staff midwife. In the position I am now, I'm looking, I've got a full caseload now for the next month. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I have to do like a reflexology assignment and, you know, start building up case studies and things like that. So it is a lot, but I love it. So it doesn't feel like a chore to me because I absolutely, I can hand on heart say I love my job and I have an interest in the likes of, you know, my hypnobirthing and um, the reflexology. So it doesn't feel like, oh, I have to sit down now and I have to write this assignment and do this. It's actually kind of like, okay, something different takes my mind off other things. Yeah. So um, while it is a lot of work, I enjoy it. So let's dive into the home birth service itself. We've seen an increase this year of women availing of the service, which is fantastic. But why do you think that we need to, women need to be given the option when they go for that first appointment? Why do you think we need to be given the option to have a home birth or we need to research it more? What are we missing? Um, particularly this year with COVID-19, I think a lot of women were gearing more towards home birth in the sense, you know, they don't have to go into the hospital, their partner will stay with them, less contact when they go in because it's just your midwife and the second midwife attending you in birth, which, yes, is great. I always send, if a woman comes to me inquiring about a home birth, I do send out a lot of information and we all do. I think it's important to read up on the statistics around home birth and kind of the, those common misconceptions that you hear, you know, it's unsafe. Um, which it's not, um, and understanding what the service is, particularly with, with our one with the HSC service, the um, safety measures we have in place, you know, we have a very low threshold for transfer. So any slightest thing that we think, you know, we're going in. And I always say to my women, you have a maternal instinct. I have a midwife instinct. And I might not be able to tell you exactly what's going on here but something inside of me is saying we need to transfer and I will listen to that um but I mean even putting home birth to the side I think it's important to be 
educated and have the knowledge around your pregnancy and your labor and your birth because there's so many women that come back to me and they say um you know oh I went in to have an antenatal check and you know I was in there for a few minutes and it came out I'm not really sure what they said or what they were talking about but just kind of nodded and agreed rather than asking questions and I think you need to ask questions it's called an informed choice it's for in, informed decision but in order to make that decision you need to have the information so um you need to ask why you need to ask um you know benefits and risks of everything and you know knowledge is power at the end of the day and I always find that when you're talking about positive birth experience whether it's a home birth a hospital birth you know an instrumental or even a cesarean section for a woman to come back to me and say you know okay it didn't pan out the way I had planned but I had a positive time it was a good experience I would do it again if I knew that was the outcome I'd do it again and I think a really key thing to that is asking questions and having the knowledge and being involved in your care um and that's a big thing with home birth is that we are a team you know it's the woman her partner it's the midwife the second midwife if it's during the birth you know we sit down we have that conversation we lay everything out at the table give options and you know then the woman decides and it is an informed decision um but to understand the home birth service is definitely important because it is a big decision to make to say I want to birth my baby at home and it has to be thought through and it's important to know the different risks associated with it as much as there are risks with a hospital birth um but yeah and I, but you find though you build this relationship with the woman and their family and there's a lot of trust there for for us in the woman and for the women in you so it's a very different I, I think it's a very different experience when you know your midwife and you have that trust in them. So if someone is interested in having a home birth, what are the first steps they take to see if they're eligible to have the home birth in the first place? Um, so there, there's different ways. So um, if you're talking about going down the HSE route, so the HSE home birth service is, is completely free. Um, and it would first of all depend on your eligibility. So we have quite strict guidelines over who can apply to have a home birth under the service. Um, so that link, it is on the HSC home birth website. So you can have a look and first of all, see if you fall into any of the categories. Then you can also go and have a look then, you can contact midwives directly. So there's a list of all the midwives in the country and where we live. So you would start with the midwife who's closest to you and work your way then down. So it would also depend if the midwife has availability to take you on that month. If she doesn't, a lot of the time we would say, you know, okay, try this midwife or this midwife. So we do work as a team um, and direct you in those kind of ways. The other route you could go down is to contact what's called the domiciliary midwife officer. So again, the list of um, their names are on the HSC home birth website. Um, and there's different DMOs in different areas. So there's one for, we'll say, North Dublin and North Leinster, South Dublin, Mid Leinster, 
Kilkenny, Carlo, Ironside Tip, um, and so on. So they would cover a wider range. So they oversee the service in that area. And so you could go directly to them and then they will point you in the direction of the midwives um, who could help in that sense. After that, then, if a midwife um, goes through all that information with you, either on the phone or through email, um, we arrange a time or a day for the midwife to come and visit and we do the booking application. So um, some are doing them virtually, some are doing over the phone, but there does, there does still have to be that face-to-face meeting for an antenatal check. Um, so you have that conversation with your midwife as to how um, that's going to be uh, approached, particularly during COVID. Um, and then that application, once it's filled out, that is sent off the DMO, and then she gets in touch with the woman, the midwife, public health nurse, the GP and the hospital. So everyone's informed that the woman is going for a home birth. And um, after that, then it would still be combined care. This is where it gets a little bit tricky. (laughs) So um, conventionally, uh, a woman would see her hospital, either the hospital doctors or midwives and her GP. So it's combined care in the pregnancy. With a home birth, your home birth midwife usually takes the position of either the hospital or the GP. Now, in an ideal world, we would take the position of the hospital. So the the women would see the midwife and the GP for the rest of their pregnancy, because realistically, there is no need for them to go into the hospital. They're low risk. The whole point is we want to keep them in the community. However, um, for anyone that has gone through a home birth, will understand and will know that a lot majority of GPs in the country, their insurance does not cover to provide care for a woman opting for a home birth, which is a shame. Um, And I know there's a lot of talk about that going on behind the scenes. Um, However, there are ways around these things. Uh, If that's the case, then the women will still be able to see the home birth midwife and then usually the maybe the midwives in the hospital. So it's combined care in that sense. So is your GP out of the picture then once you sign over to the community midwives? No. So it would be it would be important to like for anyone that is going, you know, who doesn't know if their GP is covered. I think it's, it is a good idea to check with them. But until you are formally approved for the service, you're still under their care. So if you don't get your approval letter until you're maybe 28, 30 weeks, you're still under their care. Um, and then, yeah, so it, it's it's a tricky one. It's, an, it's a frustrating one for a lot of the women out there. Um, but at the moment, we're getting around it. So with, with our home birth babies, they need to be seen within the first 72 hours after the birth. So either by a GP who's insured or a hospital pediatrician. So this is where they do the full head to toe check, the eyes, the hips, all that kind of thing. Um, If it's being done by a hospital pediatrician, once you get written confirmation that the check is done and everything is okay, the baby is fine, and you present that to your GP, then they are covered to do the two and six week check for baby. However, mums are not insured. They are not covered for the six week check because uh, the same thing as with baby, they would need a sign off from an obstetrician for mum. But 
you know, when you look at that picture, a woman who gave birth in a hospital who had a normal vaginal birth with no problems, who's maybe on the domino scheme, if you're talking about um, any of the hospitals, you know, the, the midwife led schemes, they could be discharged after 12 or 24 hours and may never see a doctor in that period of time. But yet they're in they're, um they are covered for their six week check. So it, it is it's very at the moment, it's a very funny system that's laid out. Um so yeah, we kind of have to be upfront with the women. Like a lot of women aren't going for their six week check, which is um it's not great. I didn't have a six week check, but I did go see V Physio, who's a women's health physio, to make sure that everything was okay. So she did a full examination of my pelvic floor. Um so everything was fine. So that was reassuring. At least I had that. Um that's the other thing. Like there's when you talk about GP, like everyone needs a GP at the end of the day. But there's a lot of other services out there to avail of. So things like postnatal physio, um, osteopathy, you know, if you're going down the route of like um homeopathy or um like a chiropractor or things like this, there's a lot of other practitioners out there who may be able to help if there is a certain issue that a woman is suffering from postnatally um I think 100% uh postnatal physio check in six weeks definitely 100% yeah so how early on do you take on clients so obviously you take the different scans into consideration so the 12 and 20 week scan but how early would you book a client once they got in touch with you so that we're all kind of a little bit different in that respect. Um, some some of the midwives would book women from 12 weeks. Um, for myself, I would book, like if a woman got in touch with me, I've, I've had emails from women that aren't due to like May next year. So that's fine. So I would give them all the information. I would write them down in my book. So I know I have them down. And I would say, go for your booking for your maternity hospital for 12 weeks. So you get your booking, your scan, your dating scan, your bloods, and then come back to me after your 20 week scan, which is your anomaly scan. And once everything is fine there, then we'll arrange, I'm usually on my way, maybe 22, 24 weeks to do the booking. And the reason I like to do that is because we have a limited number of visits under the service. So the way our service is broken down, a woman is eligible for 11 visits in total. So that breaks down roughly five in the pregnancy, the home birth and five postnatally over a two week period. So for me, the earlier, you know, particularly in the last trimester, you're being seen very frequently. You're being seen every two weeks after 30 weeks and then weekly from 37. So it's. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Good time um, to get to know your midwife because you're seeing her a lot more frequently, and then especially in the first, first um, in the first trimester and the second one, you're still under the care of your GP because as soon as you get that letter for your home birth and your GP isn't insured, they're out of the equation. So at least you still have them to avail of up until I I would book maybe around 22, 24 weeks. In saying that. You know, I always say to the women, you have my email, you have my number. If you have any if you have any questions in the meantime, come back to me um, and I will always keep someone down on my books. So I know that, OK, I'll be expecting an email or a phone call from them saying they've had their scan um, and it'll be nearly time to book them. So I know in advance. But yeah, I've I've women like I'm penciled in until May next year. That's brilliant, isn't it? And do you think that's COVID related or what is the change there? Do you think women just want to stay at home with their partners? I suppose it's hard. It's hard for me to say because this is, you know, I'm from next year will really only be my third year in this. So you do expect, you know, a rise in numbers. And, you know, at the same time, you're building a profile for yourself. Your name is getting out there for something like this. Um, as well as the service in general. So we have so we've had a lot more midwives sign up even since I've started. We've had a good few more, um, which is fantastic because, you know, you were finding that you're kind of having to turn women away. And it's so hard. But like if I've got a full caseload, it's just it gets to a point where if I take any more, it's not safe. Um, and you know, especially we're all so busy over the coming months because no one knows what COVID is going to be like in the next six months or a year. And to not have your partner in with you is a massive, massive thing. And that's I think that's a big driving force for a lot of women is that they don't want to be in there on their own and they don't want to be on the wards on their own. 
they can be at home with their partner and you know it's it's even really sad having to go and I do a booking with a woman and her partner's there and you know we go to listen to the baby's heartbeat and if it's their first baby I'm like so you haven't heard the heartbeat you haven't seen baby on scan and they're like no um it's just heartbreaking you know so women want that support and then at the same time they're being told to stay at home as long as you can for labor so then women are thinking sure I have to stay at home for as long as I can I might as well just stay at home and once you have connected with your client and everything is signed up off and ready to go how do the antenatal appointments work so how regular are they and what do they involve it's still combined care. So say if I saw a woman at 30 weeks, then she would go to her GP or the hospital at 32 weeks. I would see her at 34, hospital GP 36. I would see 37 and then it's weekly from then. So it's every kind of second visit I would see them. Um, at the checks, it's the exact same as the hospital. We do a urine check, check the blood pressure, have a feel of the tummy, see what way position, what position baby's lying, have a listen to the heartbeat. And then we sit down and we have a chat about getting them prepared for their home birth. So as well as mentally prepared, you want to explain the service to them, the safety aspects that we have in place for their home birth and things like what they plan on using as pain relief. So, you know, we all carry the gas and air for women to use if if you want it. Um, A lot of women opt for water birth. Um, some women don't, and that's absolutely fine. Um, we talk about walking around, massage, aromatherapy, TENS machine. So um, hypnobirthing, gentle birth. A lot of these things are relaxation and coping techniques rather than going with the traditional pain relief options. And to be honest, like the, the gas and air that I had in my car, I think it had been sitting there for about a year and it wasn't touched because women are just so much more relaxed at home that they're able to cope with the the contractions or the surges a lot better. Um, we go through um, getting them ready if they want to breastfeed. So we do have quite a high rate of breastfeeding with our home birth service. So we have a 96% exclusive breastfeeding rate at discharge at two weeks, which is phenomenal. Um, but you see, we have the time to go through all that. Um, We always talk about um, things like induction of labour. So if something does come up in the pregnancy that they're already informed of, it's a possibility um, and we go through the processes of that. We talk about um, if they do go overdue. So under our service, once you've got a healthy mom and a healthy baby, you can go up to 42 weeks and still have your home birth. However, at 10 days overdue, we always send the woman in to get a scan and have a review by one of the doctors to create a plan if you go to 42 weeks um, of pregnancy. And I suppose just mentally prepare a lot of time, maybe sit down and have a chat, you know, um, and just get them mentally ready. And then you're also talking about their home life. They have kids, their partner, who's going to be present for the birth where they plan on birthing um, and yeah then we also go through we go through it at booking but then also coming up to close to the time just to refresh their memory as to why the reasons we transfer in labour 
So with our service, when you look at our numbers, a lot, the majority of reasons we transfer for are slow progress in labour and request for an epidural or if the waters break and labour doesn't start after 18 hours or there's meconium, which is a sign the baby's done a poop inside. They're the more common reasons that we transfer when you look at it overall. Um, and I suppose we do have a higher rate of transfer with first time mums. So it is 50 percent. Those 50 percent are usually the, the reasons that I just explained. Um, but then 50 percent have lovely home births and stay at home. So, you know. I have to say you feel really prepared. I remember you telling me about the ambulance service that you would call them at a specific time when I was in active labour. So when I heard you making that phone call, mm. I knew what the story was. So I knew I was in active labour. I wasn't concerned that you were ringing the ambulance because there was necessarily a need to. So um, it was just nice to know the exact route that you guys would have to go down. Uh, we didn't feel fearful or shocked about anything that you did, which was lovely. Yeah, we do. We it's it's a very structured service that we have. So um, at around 36, 37 weeks, the DMO of that area will be in touch with you and she will send you out a prescription for medications. She'll send out a birth pack. So every woman gets a birth pack. And in that birth pack is the um, standard things that we need for every birth, so things like cord clamps, cord scissors and that. Every midwife has fluids cannulas needles lines we all carry oxygen masks for mum and baby suction so we have all the equipment that we need for any kind of emergency situation in that respect um like i said you get a prescription for medications so the medications that you're given are um two medications in case there's any risk of bleeding after the birth so that we can start treatment before we transfer um, and then every woman gets on their prescription um, a local anaesthetic. So if a woman needs stitches afterwards, we can numb the area and we can stitch them at home. Um, pain relief, suppositories, vitamin K for baby as well. So they're all on the prescription. Um, like you said, we call the ambulance. So as soon as a mum is in active labour, we ring the ambulance so that they can pull up your file and they'll be able to see where you are and they have it flagged on their system. So if we do need to transfer we just ring and say, I've called in earlier and they'll send an ambulance straight out. And you always have a second midwife as well. So there's always two of us at birth. So when you think labour has started, when do we get in touch with you? So when do we make that phone call? Not necessarily two in the morning. Yeah. So I would say you can call me anytime. <laughs> anytime you want to. You were, you were, Eva was very generous and had a really nice um, <laughs> afternoon birth. So thank you. Um, I say call me anytime so once you hit 37 weeks your midwife goes and call because you could go into labour at any stage um, I so we always go through the um, signs of labour and when to call so things like if your waters break um, or if your surges start so one common thing is that particularly first time mums and sometimes second or third babies your surges could happen in the evening time and it's all hormonal because once it goes dark, your melatonin increases in your skin, which then promotes your oxytocin, which is the hormone you need for labor. However, if that's the case and you're up all night and you think, OK, this is it, this is the start of it. And then, you know, maybe I get a phone call. They're happening. Can you come out? I'll go out. You know, by a woman's demeanor and the sounds she's making, 
mm, I think it's a little bit early, but we'll do, we'll check, we'll do a full check anyway. And um, sometimes the midwife might leave and say, it's, you know, early on, everything's fine. You're doing great. Baby's heart rate is nice and healthy. You know, we just need a bit more time. But then sometimes once morning hits and the sun comes up and your melatonin stops producing in your skin, your oxytocin then shuts down and labor can, it can the surges can slow down or nearly stop. So that stop start can happen for a couple of nights and it's very, very common. Um, so one thing I always say to my clients is go to bed. If you feel something happening around 9, 10, 11, do your normal re- evening routine, go to bed. You might not fully sleep, but you'll have a rest. And then if things ramp up then at 2, 3, 4 in the morning, then ring me and I can come out no problem. But then you find a lot of the time then you might not hear at all during the night and then morning comes and you're like well what's going on they're like oh it stopped or it slowed down but at least you're rested because in that early stage some women think this is it it's starting now I have to get up go for my walk be in my ball do the stairs and they're active the whole time which yes in one respect is right but then they're tired and they go for lie down and when they lie down things slow down and they think, oh, no, they're stopping. I have to get back up. If that happens, that's your body telling you, OK, it's not just time yet. It's still that early stage. So I'm giving you this time to rest. So rather than thinking, if I lie down, they're going to stop and go away. If that is if that's the case, it's still the early stages of labor. So take advantage of that break and of that rest. Um, to recharge your body because by the time active labor kicks in you could be up for a couple of nights already and be knackered you'd be so wrecked by the time active labor kicks in um but i would always say if your waters break let me know if your surges are coming now again it would depend on where they're living and what number baby it is and their history of their births but for first-time mums i would normally say when they're coming every kind of three minutes and they're lasting between 45 60 seconds let me know um but then it varies if i have a woman and it's her fourth baby and she's had really really fast births before i'm like ring me as soon as you have any kind of signs because i want to get there um so it's, it's individual to each woman and their situation you do have to look at a woman holistically and her history and things like that but labor can manifest in many different ways and even different from one child to the next you know one woman could say I labored in my back another will say it was completely in my front another would say I didn't have anything I just had pressure the whole time so it does vary Um, so you do have to go through there's a lot of information to be absorbed but the, the one thing I love about a home birth is that we have all that time to sit down and go through these things there is no rush there's no kind of okay it's 10 minutes in 10 minutes out you know next one in um so yeah I, I think a lot of our women are um they have the confidence to ask questions as well and, and when they have the confidence in you like if I go out and say still a little bit early they're like okay yeah granted and I say just call me anytime and I can come right back yeah. actually something that I really liked was the fact that Sean knew when to ring you he knew when I couldn't speak that he was to contact you and you had that relationship because yeah. he was at he was in the house for the appointment so he knew he was confident enough to ring you so when is the second midwife called and why is she called why is she there 
So second midwife is always needed for safety aspects. Okay. So if there was something wrong with mom or something wrong with baby, that there's two of us there to attend um, any emergencies. Uh, they usually arrive when you're in active labor and getting closer to giving birth. So again, each woman would be assessed as an individual. Um, how often are the surges coming? Is there pressure feeling? Is this her you know, second, third, fourth baby and she's had a history of fast births? You also want to take into consideration where your second midwife is coming from. So distances to how long it's going to take them to get there. Um, but definitely they are really needed during the birth. Now, sometimes, look, your second midwife could be there for an hour or two before baby's born. You could be there for six hours, nine hours, 12 hours, which is unusual, but sometimes that happens. But if it does, it's it's an extra support that you have there. So it means you have two midwives as well as your birth support or your birth support, your birth support partner, whoever's with you. Um, and then they would normally stay for about an hour or two after the birth as well to make sure that mum is okay and stable, no bleeding, baby's okay and has been fed, that you know, we've helped mum up to the toilet and she's able to walk and she's able to pass urine okay and she's not feeling unwell or dizzy. And then normally they would leave and then your midwife would stay with you then for an extra maybe two hours and um clean up and do some notes and help you feeding, make sure um, everything is okay before she leaves. So do you want to talk us through your postnatal support? So what do you what you offer? And I know your visits are more frequent than PHM, but there's a nice handover there as well. Yeah, so I think, first of all, they brought out um, the results. They did a, a national maternity experience survey there um, at the end of last year. And they just brought out the results of it there a couple of weeks ago. And um, for the home birth service, it was, you know, we got great results. But I think one thing worth flagging up was it looked like our postnatal support uh, period were, wasn't the best, uh, which I was a bit flummoxed by because I said, surely that cannot be right. Um, in our service, we offer two weeks of postnatal care. So you've got your midwife for two weeks. Um, you've got roughly five visits spread over those over those two weeks. So, you know, you might be seen on you know day one, day three, day five, maybe day seven and around discharge uh, or whatever way you want to work the visits with your midwife. Even though you, in the second week you might not see her as frequently, you still have her number. You can call her, text her, you know, if you have any questions or things like that, um, which is just huge. It's a massive, massive thing particularly after having a baby whether it's your first your second your third your tenth it doesn't matter and um, because every baby's different and every experience is different so even if it's you know the slightest question like I get messages and I'm like you know or pictures it doesn't matter you know I'm used to it and I you know I'd prefer you know having a text or a phone call asking me a question than someone going and googling something um but on that maternity uh, experience survey, it looked like our women didn't like our postnatal support, which I was, nah, this can't be right. So when I actually looked at the questions they put out, a lot of the questions were actually based on GP and public health nurse. Um, so there was a bit of a, yeah, so there was a little bit of overlap. So it looks like, it looked like our home birth service gave really crappy postnatal support. 
But if you look at the way the questions were phrased, it actually spoke about the GP and public health nurse as opposed to the self-employed community midwife. Um, so for anyone who did look at that and thinks, oh, my God, the support isn't great, actually, after having a home birth, just do read the questions. It's very interesting, actually, the survey that came out. But um, like I think a lot of no one has said to me that, you know, oh, two weeks was too long or, you know, didn't need it for two weeks or whatever. You, ne- you never have that, you know. And if anything, it's the complete opposite. You're like, I'm so glad I had those two weeks. So a lot of the time, so when we discharge two weeks, we send out uh, information to the public health nurse and the GP so that they're aware of what happened at the birth and the outcome, how the postnatal period went. So um, they're notified even before the two weeks. So either we might ring them and say, look, you know, Cora's had her baby. Uh, I'll be with her for the next two weeks. I'll be doing all the checks and I'll be back in touch before I discharge her. So they're aware that you've had your baby. So you're already up on their system and they know they'll be calling out to you. But I think even for them, they're like, oh, great. Don't have to go out for two weeks. So, you know, it does take some of the pressure off them because they can be so busy. Um, And yeah, like that, they'd kind of be in touch, you know, how are things going or just wondering, have you discharged yet? And I would maybe either ring them. They'd always get a letter anyway with all the information. And um, yeah, normally they kind of they call out then the week after or the couple of days after we discharge so that you start to link in with the public health nurse. Yeah. And lastly, Anya, another question a listener wanted me to put your way was, what is a standout moment for you in your career as a midwife so far? I suppose there's just there's been so many since I started in this role. Like it's really it is really hard to to say. I think and I'm not just saying that because you're right in front of me, but I mean, considering Eva was born on my birthday, I think that's going to be a very special birthday. I think that's always going to be um, that's definitely going to be one I remember because like it was a big birthday for me. <laughs> We're like smack bang in the middle of COVID and, you know, had obviously the same as everyone had planned, you know, parties or whatever. And you're just kind of thinking, oh. You know, can't really do anything now. Celebrate my birthday. And for anyone that knows me, my birthday is a big deal. <laughs> it's a very big deal. Um, so yeah, that was just definitely stand out to me. But another moment um is it was the very last day of my internship, actually. And it was a night shift. And I was just handing over and I was just thinking, oh my God, this is it now. Like, you know, I'm finished like I'm no longer a student midwife um and I came out of the room after handing over and there was a midwife there who I had actually had at the very start of my internship as a preceptor and I just happened to be working with her that night and she was standing there and her arms were like out wide she's like congratulations and um yeah she's just she's always someone that will stand out to me Oh, lovely. Anya, thank you so much for sharing your experience as a community midwife. I really appreciate you taking time to come on and chat to me. No problem. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed the first episode of Our Moment With. The next episode will be live on Patreon on the 5th of March and will then be live on all podcast platforms on the 10th of March. If there is anyone in particular you would like me to interview, send your suggestions to irelandsbirthstories at gmail.com or you can contact me on Instagram at irelandsbirthstories. I look forward to bringing you another episode soon. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 